Hello and welcome to our podcast. I can already tell that today won't cambode well for you. Okay, but in all seriousness, my name is Daniel Donahue and I'm with Olivia Purdy, and today we'll be talking about genocide! So today we're going to be talking about the Khmer Rouge, a merciless regime that operated in Cambodia in the 1970s. Well, the Khmer Rouge wasn't actually in power until the mid-1970s. Our story starts about 10 years earlier when the Communist Party of Kampuchea took over the country. Throughout the 1960s, the Khmer Rouge was operating as the Armed Forces Unit for the Kampuchea Party and operated in the jungle and mountains in the northeast near Vietnam, which was engulfed in the Civil War. At this time, Khmer Rouge did not have great support from the rest of Cambodia particularly the cities like Phnom Penh. When the ruling monarch Prince Norden was kicked out during a military coup, the leader of Khmer Rouge, Pol Pot, struck up a deal with him that they would put him back in power if they supported their cause, due to his popularity among the city-dwelling civilians. Because the prince was so popular with the people, particularly the people of Phnom Penh, the Khmer Rouge was seen more favorably in the public's eye. Yay! In 1970, a civil war broke out between the military that started the coup and the people who supported the alliance between the prince and Khmer Rouge. This lasted five years, and at the end, the Khmer Rouge was left with the advantage after gaining control of much of the territory in the Cambodian countryside. In 1995, Khmer Rouge invaded Phnom Penh and took over the city. This led to Cambodia becoming a communist country ruled by the Khmer Rouge. They then decided to kick the prince out of the country and forced him into exile. As Pol Pot ruled, he fell in love with the simplicity of the farming communities in the countryside of Cambodia. The tribes were self-sufficient and lived through farming subsistence goods. They were also, in his view, untainted by the evil values like wealth, money, and religion, especially Buddhism, which was common in the cities. So he decided to base his new country around their self-sufficient lifestyle. Pol Pot went to work remaking Cambodia, which they had renamed Kampuchea into a communist agricultural utopia based on the model of the rural tribes and actually erased all currency. Paul wanted this utopia to have no roots in the past, for everything and everyone to be united under the Khmer Rouge. His new country sought to get rid of Buddhism, being that it was an old religion rooted in the past that tended to be the main focus for many people, taking away from that kind of centripetal effect that communism had. It also taught that social classes don't matter, so it basically goes against everything that Pol Pot sought to create and believed in. He even went so far as to declare 1975 year zero and cut all ties with the international community and Cambodia's past by destroying thousands of temples. In fact, there were thousands of Buddhist monks at the time in Cambodia, and because of Khmer Rouge, five and eight monks in Cambodia were killed and the others were sent off to concentration camps and prisons. Also another leading cause of death in this genocide was overworking and the lack of food because people in these cities and all around Cambodia were moved to these farm communes and forced to do backbreaking work with abuse from the Khmer Rouge soldiers who were notorious for killing workers. Many people also died of disease and injuries sustained from the harsh work as well. The largest cause of death during the Khmer Rouge's reign was their mass execution of 
intellectuals and possible leaders of rebellions. Like, even if you wore glasses or spoke a foreign language, you are... Like, you are dead. There is no way surviving if you wore glasses. Anyway, the Khmer Rouge's rule lasted four long years, from 1975 to 1979. The total number of Cambodians that died during the Cambodian genocide was 2 million, give or take 200,000. 17,000 women, men, and children were imprisoned in a special center in Phnom Penh called Tool Slang Jail. None of the international community did anything to help or save the suffering Cambodians from their rulers. The U.S. was still too broken up by their loss with Vietnam. President Carter even admitted that this Cambodian genocide was the worst violation of human rights since World War II. It's actually right next to the Nazis in the Holocaust Museum in Houston, Texas. Yet no one did anything. This finally came to an end when Vietnam invaded Kampuchea and ousted Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge from control over the country because the Khmer Rouge was attempting to spread its control to Vietnam. After the Khmer Rouge fled to the outer reaches of Cambodia, Vietnamese soldiers kept a military presence in the newly liberated country for most of the 1980s, though the U.S. didn't agree with this plan of action. Cambodia was safe from their oppressors, though the people still had to deal with poverty and a lack of people who were able to read and write. Prince Norodom returned to rule Cambodia in 1993 as the prince of the country's new constitutional monarchy. Until 1997, Pol Pot lived in the rural areas until he was tried for his crimes. The trial was pretty much a joke, although Pol Pot did die in a remote jungle home under house arrest. Hey, hey guys. guys! Don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel down below. Ah, just kidding. This is just a podcast. Oh, thank you for listening to your podcast, even though you're required because it's a project. Um, and we were talking about grizzly murders and genocide, but we made do a joke, so that's fun. Uh, have a good day. <laughs>